Welcome to The Mental Society. I'm Amanda Dolan. In this episode, we're going to be talking about suicide. And if it feels like that's not something good for you to hear right now, uh, hop off and we'll catch you another time. If you are feeling suicidal, I want to remind you that um, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, You can either call or text 988, or you can find um, a way to chat with them and more information on their website, which is 988lifeline.org. Remember that there is help out there even when you feel completely helpless. So this is the second of three episodes in a series about suicide. In this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about my personal experience with suicide um, and my struggles, as well as how other suicides have directly impacted me. Um, In the first episode, we looked at suicide in the United States and some basic numbers, as well as some of my thoughts and ideas about um, what's causing suicide rates to increase so much here in the United States over the last 20 years. Um, And then in the next episode, the last episode, I'm going to be talking to two really amazing young men who are high school students who are using computers to help ensure that people um, who are in need of help are um, finding the care that they need. And uh, I think it is really awesome. So I think you'll really want to hear that. Um, I know that I have shared here as well as in blogs, and if you know me in real life, all over my own social media and really to anyone that will listen um, about my experience uh, with my mental health and how being suicidal was part of that. Um, And that's really what, you know, I guess got me to this point is because I don't want others to struggle the way that I did for so long. I want... um, people to keep trying to get help because help is possible. Um, and it's possible to feel better even when it so often doesn't feel that way. Um, so I'm never really sure where on some of these to begin. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, I think my first memory of suicide really was, um, when, I'm sure that I heard things here and there and and I know that there were things, you know, on television and movies that alluded to suicide or outright talked about them. But I never really remember a lot about suicide. Um, when I was, I don't know, about 14, before I went and saw my first psychiatrist, I had a suicide attempt. Um, I took too much medication and uh, it was, I really scared myself and I went and I let my father know, uh, luckily the medication that I took too much of was not something that was even going to uh, really likely cause me any real uh, harm. And thank goodness for that, that um, that attempt didn't leave me with any sort of long-term physical complications, because that's not always the case. Um, My next, um, well, let me back up. With that, I'm not sure that I really got any additional help 
when that was, you know, what, where I was, you know, that I had this attempt and, and I'm not sure that anything was really done about, about it. Um, perhaps that's when I went to see the psychiatrist for the first time. I truly don't remember. Um, one of the things that I find interesting about um, both bipolar and ADHD um, is that sometimes memory is not so great with those. And I also know personally that that period of my life was one that was really difficult and um, probably blocked a lot of that out because I don't want to remember all of that pain that I was in. Um, the pain of my mental health, um, but also the pain of my father being really ill and uh, and watching him die very slowly. Um, the next time I really like had any kind of experience with suicide or that it was in my world um, was somebody that I went to school with committed suicide. Um, and it may have been somebody's brother that I went to school with. I don't remember exactly. Um, they were older and it was just kind of a thing that happened. And then we really didn't talk about it and it went away. Um, and then a few years later, uh, in my class, we, we had a very, um, just an amazing human, um, we called him Moose. His name was Mustafa. He was an exchange student. No, he was not an exchange student. I'm sorry. He had just moved from uh, the uh, the former Yugoslavia. And obviously America uh, was quite a um, culture shock for him. I know that, you know, being in Kentucky was a very different experience for him. Um, but we all loved him. I mean, he just had this energy about him and there was just something, I don't even like, you know, that like thing you can't put your finger on about someone that you just, you know, that they're awesome, but you don't really like, you can't be like, that. this is what makes them awesome. You just, you know, um, and that was Moose. He just, the smile he had and his laugh, and he was an amazing soccer player. Um, and, you know, we we didn't really get to know all of him. Um, but I remember when he died. I remember when he took his life. And I remember how devastating that was for so many of us. Um it was just, it felt like such a huge loss. Um, and it was, it is. Uh, but I really couldn't understand why. You know, I knew that when I had attempted that I was broken and sad and that I had no hope, but Moose was just larger than life. And, and I just, it didn't make sense. I didn't see it coming. I don't think any of us saw it coming. I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But it just really struck me at like how much of an impact his death 
had. And I remember thinking, <laughs> wonder if he had seen, you know, how much he impacted all of us. Um, if he could have seen that, if that would have changed things for him. And I don't know that it would have, maybe, but I don't know. Um, and, you know, for me over the next, well, close to 20 years, um, I had lots of thoughts of suicide. And sometimes they were as simple as, you know, I don't really like, I don't want to live today or I wonder what it would be like if I, if I were gone uh, to things that were a little bit more concrete and that like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I ran my car into that, you know, retaining wall. Um, and so it was, well, I mean, it was just something that was kind of always there. And I know that, you know, when I was really, really sick, there were times where I really wanted to kill myself, but also I know that I used it as a, you know, I would tell certain people, well, I'll just kill myself, I'll just die. Um, and I, I think it was probably manipulative, although I don't, I don't know that for sure. I think I could argue that it probably was manipulative to, to get my way to feel seen or heard because I didn't, I felt, it was really just, I felt alone. Um, and I want to make it clear that all like threats of suicide are not, um, are not manipulation. I'm, I'm speaking only for myself um, because we need to take threats of suicide seriously. Because here's the thing is, I don't think healthy people threaten suicide. I don't think healthy people think regularly about suicide. I do think that most of us at some point, you know, like have a thought, wonder what it would be like, or, you know, would the world be better off without me? Or, man, this just hurts so much. I just, I want to die. And we hear people say that and um, it's it's kind of normal. Like, uh, I was so embarrassed I could have died. And and I think that that, you know, there's a little bit of kind of truth in the back of that where it's like, oh my gosh, I wish that I could have disappeared. And I think maybe that's more of what we're saying when we talk about some of those things. It's like, I just want to disappear from that situation. Whereas truly wanting to end your life is, is so much deeper than that. It's, I'm just done being in this world. And that, that can feel really big and scary when you're in it because it is. And more than that, um, it feels like oftentimes that that when you're truly suicidal, that that not being in this world is not just better for you, but better for others. Um, 
I'll be honest that I didn't pay much attention to celebrity suicides, to, you know, talk of suicides much in my community before my real plan uh, came, you know, like before that. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it was because I avoided it if, or if I just didn't, you know, notice it, you know, like when you drive a, a red car, you see all the red cars. Um, or if someone, you know, tells you to look for the color blue, you're going to see blue everywhere you look. Um, so I think that that might have been part of it was it had become part of who I was. And since I, I have spoken and I continue to speak openly about my mental health and my, my suicide plan and, and how I almost wasn't here, I think I've noticed it more. And I think that, you know, celebrities committing suicide, it seems so, for me, I mean, I, I've often thought, like, when I've seen a celebrity commit suicide, I'm like, but why? You have everything. Why Why would you not want to be here? Um, and some of, like, there are three sort of specific celebrities that, always come to mind for me. And, and the first one is Robin Williams. Um, you know, I grew up with him uh, being, you know, just, I mean, he was an amazing comedian. He was, he was funny and he seemed so smart and talented and just, you know, always had this smile on his face and and when I heard that he had committed suicide, I was devastated. And so much of my my like my thoughts around it were, yeah, but I mean, he's he's Robin Williams. He's happy. He's got money and he's talented and he has people that care about him. Why? Why why did he end his life? Um And I think though the reality is, is that like there, you know, and it came out afterwards that there were other, you know, medical things going on and things that were affecting the way that his brain was working at the time. So that's some of the, you know, the answers, but I don't think it's all of them. And I, and I wish that we could understand more what's going on in every person's head just before they've made that decision. Um, and then there were two other celebrities that came kind of back to back. Um, and it was actually while I was traveling, which I think made it more um, poignant in some ways that the first was Anthony Bourdain. Um, for me, I'm like, you know, just this larger than life person who had this job that I would have, you know, done anything for. You got to travel and meet people and try foods and, you know, just live what what seemed to be this really incredible life and again he seemed to have friends and people that really cared about him and so you know when I think about that it's like here's this man just like Robin Williams right that like seemed to have all of it together and so you know when these people have in you know what looks like it all together and they have all the things that you think that people 
want or need to be happy, you know, money and fame and friends and, you know, when you see that and then you see that this person committed suicide anyway, it can be really, like, it can be a really difficult sort of thing. Um, because to me, it's like, yeah, but you had all this to live for and all of these people cared about you and you had, you know, the ability to get any sort of, you know, help that you could possibly need. Um, and I think that, 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 you know, I'm going to, in a few minutes, I'm going to talk a little bit more about some things around, you know, the whys. I think people often commit suicide, um, but we'll get yeah, into that in a minute. Um, and then over the last year, well, actually less than a year, um, in my world that I'm that I know of. Um, two people committed suicide and there was one uh, serious attempt. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if there were other attempts uh, that I just didn't know about because they weren't public or um, they didn't want people to know. I think that there's often some shame and a stigma still around suicide and why, and that, you know, you might, it might be seen as weak or um, just to cry for help being dramatic or, or something. And, and I think that it's much, it's much deeper than that. But again, with, um, with these people that, the, the two men that committed suicide, um, you know, one was, one was very close. Um, his, his wife was one of my closest friends and had been for, for years. Um, and when I heard, I was devastated, devastated for my loss, um, for his family's loss, for our community's loss. And you know, he was definitely one of those. If I, you know, go back, he was definitely a, yeah, but he's not like, he would never do that. Like he's got all of these amazing things and he's happy and he's always just got this, you know, larger than life smile and personality and he, you know, lights up the room and when I found out, it just was like, no, it doesn't make sense that it does not, you know, like it didn't compute in my brain. It was like, no, he, not him. It doesn't make sense. And I remember um, after his funeral, uh, some of us went out uh, together and including his wife and his wife said to myself and another friend of ours that it was her fault. Um, but that's the thing is like, I don't think that it's anyone's fault ever. Um, because there's so much that goes in into that um, decision. 
Um, and then, you know, I don't know, I don't know the whys behind his suicide. And then um, just a few weeks ago, um, a local middle school teacher who uh, is connected with me, his um, his mother-in-law is a friend of mine. Um, it was, when he committed suicide, it was, it was shocking. Um, both, you know, the, the manner in which he ended his life, but also just who this person was. Um, I always just got the impression that he was fun and happy and, you know, said he was a teacher and his students loved him. Um, and so again, it just was like, so why? Why are these people making these decisions? Um, and then just this past week, um, uh, a good friend of mine's daughter's good friend. I know that's very confusing, but um, she had a, a serious attempt. And thank goodness that that um, did not uh, end her life. And I don't know if it was, you know, I don't know enough of the details to know if it was like, a, you know, what so many people just a cry for help or if it if it was really what she intended or if it was you know more like a self-harm sort of situation where um i think with self-harm so often it's it hurts so much emotionally that i just want to feel some physical pain i want to see the pain um because it's so great um and i don't you know i've never uh had any sort of like self-harm in that sense. Um, but I can understand the, I hurt so much, so I want to actually feel it um, sort of level. Uh, so with all of those, you know, recently it's, it's really, you know, suicide's been more at the forefront of my, of my mind. And then, um, in the next episode, when I, you know, heard about these two young men, I started thinking more about it and, you know, digging in and doing research and, um, just a lot, a lot of it hit me big that I was almost one of those statistics and holy crap, there's a lot of people out there dying and, and looking at you know, some of the, you know, that women attempt suicide more than men, but men complete suicide more than women because of, you know, the, you know, some say that it's because they're more likely to use um, a, a handgun or, um, you know, really make sure, if you will, you know, that they've planned it better or different and better. I hate, I don't like that. Um, they, they planned it differently. Um, and that, you know, the number of young people 
dying by suicide is huge. Um, and I still, you know, so often think about, I believe it was Phil Donahue, um, who said um, something along the lines of, Suicide is a um, permanent solution to a temporary problem. You may have that slightly wrong, but close enough. And, you know, I remember hearing that growing up and thinking so much like, oh, people only commit suicide, you know, after a really bad breakup or after someone that they love has died or after they lost a job that, you know, that suicide was really a way to get out of the situation that you're currently in that's hard. Um, and that's what I told myself for, for so long. That's what I heard. Um, and I also heard that, you know, suicide, it's, it's so selfish that, you know, you're taking, you know, the person that, that is committing suicide is taking themselves away from the world. Now, I wrote a whole, you know, article about what what this was like for me, and I'll I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but suicide doesn't suicide feels permanent. It feels like a permanent solution to a permanent problem. Let me explain what I mean by that. And I'm going to just use my personal experience. Um, but I think that this can go to, to many others. Um, for me, um, I have been suffering, been in pain um, for 20 years. Um, and that felt pretty permanent. Um, the first psychiatrist had basically, you know, that I saw basically told me like, you're just going to have to learn to deal with it. And then, you know, the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth couldn't help me. And so here I am, you know, 20 years later, still in so much pain and still so frustrated that things weren't getting better. Um, and truly dying felt like the only way that, that that would end because again, for decades, I had been in that level of pain. Um, I had felt so hopeless um, and I felt helpless too. I mean, I had truly like, no one could help me. I had seen doctors and therapists and no one could help me. And it was incredibly frustrating. And um, so, you know, it, it makes sense that, that for me and for others who have experienced things like me, that we would feel like that was, you know, what our options meant. Um, and so if that's the case, if that's what the options were, then yeah, of course, that's 
option is to suffer or to die. Like I think lots of us would choose death. Like suffering like that's not fun. Um, and then, you know, so for me, when I've thought about ending my life, I thought I was going to be ending this, you know, place where I was just permanently unhappy. I was, you know, my body would hurt and I didn't feel like I could get out of bed. And, and there was just, there's so much more to mental illness than just like what's happening in your brain. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure we've all heard like suicide is, is selfish. Um, and yeah, can certainly feel that way. Um, and again, I'm speaking for myself and, and this is, you know, I don't know what others, um, have experienced, but for myself, I, um, I didn't feel like dying would be selfish. I didn't feel like I was taking something away from people that, you know, needed me or, or needed anything I had to offer because I was convinced that everyone would be better if I wasn't around, that, you know, my kids wouldn't have a mom that struggled to play with them and to be present for them. And that, you know, I, my friends who I could barely, you know, stay in touch with because just contacting them was difficult. Um, and I didn't want to lie and pretend like everything was fine. Um, I was a prisoner in my own home. Um, I wasn't just, there was, I wasn't the person that I felt any, anyone in the world um, needed. And I felt that if anything, I was harming people. And again, it was like dying, removing myself from the situation was the only way that that, that was going to end, that I would stop hurting and I would stop hurting others if I wasn't here. And that the only way for that to happen was for me to not be here. Um, I'm grateful that that isn't what happened. Um, I'm sure if you ask my kids, even though, you know, I don't know anything now because they're teenagers and, um, I'm sure I drive them crazy. Other things, I think that they would tell you that they're happy. I'm here. Um, you know, I would have missed... I don't know, countless you know, times singing at the top of my lungs and my kids rolling their eyes or occasionally singing along or, you know, the dance parties in the kitchen while I'm cooking dinner that now my kids just roll their eyes at me for, um, or some really great conversations that I've had with them or incredible trips that we've taken and things we've experienced together. Um, and so I'm glad that I'm here. And I can see now on the other side that once I got the help that I needed um, and I found someone that could help me, that, that got the answers for me that I needed so desperately, um, then there was hope. 
you know, it's like, well, I can be helped. Now I have hope that, that I'll be better. Um, and when that suffering and that pain started to go away, um, I was able to, you know, come out in a very different way and that, you know, I saw things differently and suicide didn't feel like an option anymore. Um, but, but it had for quite literally decades, it had often felt like that was, was the best, I don't love that word, but the best choice meant that I was going to be around. Um, and like, I meant the people that were going to, you know, if I died, the people that were here and around, like they weren't going to be miserable anymore. And I wasn't going to be miserable anymore. So, you know, when I think about my reasons, at least, it felt like the problem was permanent, that it wasn't going to go away. Um, and it felt like the only solution. It also felt, dare I say, selfless. I felt like I was going to, you know, make sure that others weren't suffering. Um, I was taking away that burden of someone having to, you know, care for me, that burden of, you know, my, my ex-husband having to take on more of the childcare responsibilities. Um, you know, my kids wouldn't have to deal with a sad mom all the time. So it did feel selfless. And that, that probably seems wild to others. Um, especially if you haven't been in that place, but But what that says to me is that, you know, suicide is deeper than that, you know, temporary problem. Um, it's often some something that is really like, you know, it is deep and it needs time to heal and you need to dig into the, you know, what's going on under the surface. Now, I will say that there are certainly people who commit suicide because there is something situational. Perhaps they, you know, were arrested for, you know, a crime and they don't want to face, you know, whatever that is. Or, um, you know, they're, they are terminally ill with something else and they don't want to suffer with that. Um I'm sure there's also, you know, just people that, that is a situational sort of thing. You know, they've, an uh, important relationship has ended um, and they're deep in that grief. And, and that might be, that might be something that, you know, that, that happens that and I'm sure it is often, um, and I would still argue that suicide is not a quote unquote normal response to any of those things. And that means there's likely something else going on. Um, so, 
with all of that, you know, and what I've talked about before, suicide is complicated. Mental health is complicated. Um, and together we can make changes together. We can talk about it and we can see what else, um, we as a society can do to help those that are struggling with their, their mental health and opening these conversations up and and making it not so taboo, I think really will change things. And people won't feel so alone if they know that there's others out there that are struggling. And if those who are, you know, survivors of, of, you know, their loved ones died by their own hand, I really, you know, I know a lot of people talk about how it impacted them, but, but really amplify that so that, you know, perhaps somebody that's thinking maybe the world's better off without me, they hear lots of messages that this person I loved ended their life and they're not here and my life is not better because they're gone and I miss them. And I know that that can be painful, but as with all of the mental health things that that I talk about, the reason I'm doing this and the reason that I'm doing my best to be transparent about my own struggles um, and sharing information with y'all it's so people don't feel so alone and people can um, know that there's help out there and to help people feel like they can open up a conversation about something that I think quite frankly is difficult for most of us to, to talk about. Um, So go out, you know, and talk to people and um, you know, see where, you can have any kind of impact. Um, and I could keep talking about all the things. So I think that, you know, we'll stop that discussion right there. But I would love um, to hear any of your thoughts if you want to comment or go over to, you know, our website and shoot me a message. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, any of your stories, um, either about how you, um, came out on the other side after uh, feeling suicidal, um, a story of how someone that you love, um, you know, their their mental health has impacted you. Um, or, you know, if you're struggling too, like I said, you can reach out to uh, the 988, the Suicide Prevention Helpline, um, and I promise there, somebody will always answer. Um, but that leads me to our mental morsel, which is that staying connected can help our mood. Uh, when we feel connected to other people around us, it promotes positive mental health and physical health. And it can help feel like, you know, life has more meaning, um, There's been some research that says um, human connections um, that include emotional conversations, support, uh, you know, that positive vibe, affirmation, they can all enhance our mental health. Um, So 
you know, pay attention to those small moments that you can connect with people. Um, something as simple as, you know, a text message, you know, hey, I saw this at the store, it made me think of you, to, you know, even just opening the door and saying, hey, you know, have a great day, thank you, or or whatever. Um, those little bits of connection can go a long way. So I encourage you today to find a way to be um, intentional about connecting with someone that you might not normally. And so with that, we've reached the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening and learning more about how mental health and society meet. Now go out and open a conversation. Discover the ways that mental health is being experienced in your world. You can find more of the Mental Society podcast um, in all the places that you find your favorite podcasts. You can find additional resources and articles by visiting our website, thementalsociety.com. And remember that you are not alone in your struggles. Hope and help are all around you. Until next time, this is Amanda Dolan, wishing you good health, mental and otherwise.